Okay, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for bringing us together again this week. We thank you for your word and for uh, promising to meet with us when we draw near to you. And so, Lord, we ask that you would come and meet with us, teach us out of your word, give us humble hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is our third week of the uh, summer class where we're, I've kind of opened it up to you all to ask questions. And that uh, invitation still stands, by the way. In fact, I'll have uh, Katie send out the link again to the place online. Oh, there you are, Katie. Can we do that again? Um, because I have, I've got a list of good questions, but maybe there are better ones. Maybe you have a better question. We'll see. So feel free to ask and to send it in. And, and if we're able, we'll get to it. Today, I'm going to answer this question. Why should we pray? Okay? And there's a, as I started thinking about this question, um, that opens up all kinds of other questions, right? So why should we pray? Well, what's the point of praying, which is kind of another way of, ask, of asking that question, but it's a little different. What should we pray for? How should we pray? What should we expect when we pray? And why don't we? Okay. So all these questions kind of come out of, that's a, that's a, it's a bunch of questions altogether. So I've, I've, I'm kind of nervous about this today because I feel like I have a ton. Um, you know, those are a lot of questions. <laughs> but I, I feel like once you start asking, a- answering the one, you just got to keep going. So here's, let's jump in. So why should we pray? I have uh, three reasons that I, that I find in the Bible, and I'm sure there are others. Four, actually. Uh, number one, the most obvious reason we, we should pray is because God commands us to. And this almost, you know, that kind of goes without saying, but the most important things that go without saying need to be said, right? So God commands us to. But I say to you, this is Jesus, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So there's a place where Jesus commands us to pray. He commands us to pray in a pretty difficult context, right? Pray for those who persecute you. Um, Jesus, again, Luke 18, now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. All right, this is our Lord Jesus. At all times you ought to pray. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 12, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. So not just a little thank you for um, food at mealtime, but this is bigger than that, isn't it? Devoted to prayer. Ephesians, again, the Apostle Paul, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. Yeah, we'll get there. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Again, Paul, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Again, the Apostle Paul, devote yourself, yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Again, the Apostle Paul, 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. 
Again, the Apostle Paul, 1 Timothy. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. And then he says in verse 8, Therefore I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. And again in 1 Timothy. No, that's not wrong. That's, uh, I mean, that's not right. That is wrong. That's James. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Notice the musts in, in, that, in those verses. This is James, uh, what is it? 5, 13, and 14, yeah. Is anyone among you suffering? He must pray. Is anyone among you sick? He must call for the elders of the church. All right, so how many of you have been sick and have not called for the elders of the church to pray for you? Why? Why don't we? to say how sick. <laughs> if, if anyone's really sick, why don't we do this? Because we don't believe this is, this is actually true, actually. Okay. But there it is, musts. And then 1 Peter 4, 7, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. So obviously, you know, this is scratching the surface there. God over and over and over again commands us to pray. So in failing to pray, it really is, and look, I'm the first culprit here. Failing to pray is, is, a, is dis, disobeying the direct commands of God. If that helps you, it should help us, right? Some, some of us, that's the motivation we need. You're just disobeying God if you don't pray. And prayer in all these passages is much more than just a little perfunctory, you know, thank you for dinner, right? Devoted to it, not, not ceasing, you know, persevering. Secondly, uh, why should we pray? Our Lord Jesus assumes that we will pray. So he commands it, but then he assumes it too. And he, you can see lots of places like this, but remember Matthew 6, when you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, but you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door and pray to your Father who is in secret. So this is an assumption. This is different than a command. This is just like, you, you, you are going to pray, right? Well, here's how you do it, okay? So it is an, he assumes that we will pray. Third, all God's people pray. I was struck by this this week looking through the looking through the Bible. It's just like <laughs> it's just everywhere, you know. It's just everywhere, everywhere, literally everywhere. What God's people always, 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 always do is pray. Formally, informally, long, short. All right, just everywhere. You see it in Acts 2, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. 
And then lastly, God hears our prayers. Why should we pray God hears our prayers? He really does. O you who hear prayer, to you all men come, Psalm 65. That's an attribute of God. An attribute of God is he hears prayer. Just as much an attribute of God as his holiness, his righteousness, his knowledge of all things, he is the God who hears prayer. But certainly God has heard. He has given heed to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God who has not turned away my prayer, nor his loving kindness from me. Proverbs 15, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Again, that's, that's his nature, it's his character. He, when we pray, we're not twisting his arm. You understand? We're not uh, bothering him. We're not putting him out. We're not disturbing him. He's the kind of God who hears prayer. Okay, so that's the first question. Why should we? Well, because God commands it, because all God's people do, because Jesus assumes we will, because he hears. Here's, the, here's kind of a bigger question. There's a little more a little more theological twist to it, okay? Why should we pray? What's the point? What do I mean by that? What does, what does prayer actually accomplish? Now, this is, a, this is a really important question because if you, if you think about it, um, people often wonder, why should we pray if what? How, do, how would you... What's, where's the reasoning here? Why should you pray if what? Yeah, if God already has a plan, already knows exactly what's going to happen in the world, already has established that plan from before the foundation of the world, why should we pray? What's the point? And he already knows my needs before I even ask, so why ask? Okay, so God does in fact have everything planned out from beginning. All right, that's the question. Why should we pray if God already has everything planned out from eternity past? Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven, on earth, and the seas, and all deeps. In him also we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, right? So that is, that is true. God does work all things after the counsel of his will. So do you feel that question? Some of you... Um, You know, why should we pray if God already has everything planned out from eternity past? What's the point of praying? Since God already has everything planned out from eternity past, here's how we start reasoning then, okay? Since God already has everything planned out from eternity past, well, that means prayer doesn't actually change anything. The only thing that prayer changes is me. Okay? No. That is not right. When I, well, it's true, but I mean. <laughs> so, you know, you go on. When I, when I draw near to God in prayer, my heart changes, my mind changes, my, my will changes, but prayer would never change God's heart or God's mind or God's will. This is how we start thinking. Okay? Now, have any of you thought like this or heard people think like this? Or do any of you, are you committed to this as the right? <laughs> no, none of you have ever thought this. 
You've met theologians. Well, yeah. There are lots of theologians out there. No, listen, this, is, this sounds, if, if you have certain theological commitments, okay, like God is sovereign over all things. God has a plan for the world, and that plan is, is fixed. And God himself is immutable. He never changes in any way, all right? Then you, you start thinking along these lines, and prayer becomes a conundrum. Why, what's the point of me praying? So if prayer, you've all been to, uh, you know, little... Um, Christian bookstores. We used to have a Christian bookstore down by the, down by Lowe's. Remember that? And you walk in, and the first part of the of the nah, I was going to say the church. The bookstore is filled with what? You remember that store? Do you remember ever going there? It's all filled with trinkets and plaques and wall hangings and you know macrame crocheted stuff that you put on your I don't know. And they have these plaques that say uh, prayer changes things. And we we walk in there and we. <laughs> Prayer doesn't change anything. What are you talking about? Don't you know the eternal decrees of God never change? And so we have a high, kind of a proud uh, approach to this, which means what? What's the fruit of that in your life? It means we don't pray. Which is utterly and completely contrary to the whole, whole point of Scripture from beginning to end. The fact is that prayer does, in fact, change things. I could show you passage after passage after passage that proves that, proves that point from the Bible. Uh, when we pray, what are we asking for? We're asking for God to change things. Is there any prayer in the Bible that you can think of that is not asking God to change things? Number one, we're asking God to do something and we're asking him to change things. People, circumstances. So this guy says, um, if we are perfectly willing always to accept the way things are as God's unchangeable will, we will never be great people of prayer. Great prayer warriors are people who want things to change. They don't accept the status quo, the present circumstances, prayer changes things. And then he says, Almost all prayer in the Bible is petitionary, right? You know, petitionary means I'm asking God, I'm asking you to do something. We think, this is something I haven't, we, um, one of the things that goes kind of along with this idea that prayer doesn't actually change anything, all that prayer changes is me, or all that prayer is is worship. Now, is prayer worship? When we pray, think of the Lord's Prayer. We had a, we had a whole you know, class on the Lord's Prayer. Um, what's the first line of the Lord's Prayer? But what is that? No, not our Father. Our Father, hallowed be your name. That's the first request. What is that, though? It's worship, but what is it? It's a request. <laughs> it's a petition. So even that is a petition, Okay. And as we worship, as we ask God, we're, we are, you can't separate worship from petition because we're talking to the one who has the power and the, and the inclination to hear us. You, see, you can't separate those things. It, just simply asking is worship, in a sense. 
So he says, almost all prayer in the Bible is petitionary. By that I mean, in prayer, we ask God to do things in the earth. More importantly, we ask God to change things. Prayer actually is asking God to change the status quo. Things are a certain way, our hearts are cold, or a relative has cancer, or we lack money for our bills, or our children are drifting from the Lord, or we need direction for a decision, whatever, and we ask God to change the way things are. And so, yeah, prayer changes circumstances. How many, right? Prayer changes, we, we want things, things are a certain way, we want them to be different. Prayer changes people. Why do we pray for God to, to, to you know, when you're witnessing to somebody or your children are wandering from the Lord or your husband or your wife has a hard heart, why do you pray to God for them? What are you asking for? You're asking for him to change them. And the most controversial thing I'll say today, prayer changes God. Second Samuel, David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. Thus the Lord was moved by prayer for the land and the plague was held back from Israel. This is how the Bible always talks. The Lord, you've got a situation, a man of God prays and the Lord is moved. He's moved, right? Remember Abraham, this is Exodus 32. Pastor Bailey read this, I think, last Sunday. This whole account of, of God saying to Moses, get out of the way, I'm gonna kill them all. Remember this? And I'll start over with you. And what does Moses do? He prays. And what does God do? Look what it says. So at the end of that long prayer, that interaction between a Moses and God, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by yourself and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens and all this land which I have spoken, I will give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord changed his mind about the harm which he said he would do to his people. Now there are, there are different ways you can read this, okay? And one of them is, just kidding right? Just kidding. I mean, so the Bible does say that God does not change, right? God doesn't change. Okay, what do we know about God that doesn't change? His character doesn't change. His, his holiness, his righteousness, his mercy, his purity, his loving kindness, his, his etern, eternal attributes, right? None of that ever changes. That's, that's absolutely true. But God is what? What is he? Yeah, that's a ridiculous open-ended question. Uh, God is a person. <laughs> okay. He is a, he is a person. He's not a rock. Well, I mean, the God, Bible says God's a rock, but that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> he is, he's not a an immovable object. He's not, a, he's not a, an impersonal force. He's a person. We know part of what, what God is because we ourselves are persons made in God's image. So we're persons. God is a person. God is not a, you know, a machine. 
And so when you talk to him, you see this all over the Bible, when, when God's people talk to him and ask for things, he says, he, he says I'm gonna kill you all. And then Moses says, don't. You, if, if you do, everyone's gonna say, you're not, a, you're not a powerful God. And God says, yeah, you're right. I'm not going to do that. And you can get all wrapped up in knots about uh, the Im- immutability, that, the unchangeability of God, and make God, make all of this basically a sham, okay? Where God never actually changes anything, and prayer doesn't actually accomplish anything, prayer doesn't actually change anything, it's just a big joke. But we know that's not true. All right? So why should we pray when we know God is in control of all things? What's the point of praying? Well, here's the answer. We should pray because we know God is in control of all things. You see? What's the point of praying if God is not in control of all things? You know, you can ask me uh, to uh, uh, eliminate the, the national um, debt, right? You can ask me that all day long. What would be the point? I'm not going to do about it. And so that would be stupid. But we pray because God can, in fact, does, in fact, hear, loves to hear, and pities us, and he's in control of all things, and he can actually do something about it. And he loves to do this. You see this all over the Bible, don't you? All over the Bible, everywhere. God delights to answer our prayers. This is what he says in Psalm 50. This is God himself speaking. He says to his people, call upon me in the day of trouble. Again, another command to pray, right? Call upon me in the day of trouble. I shall rescue you. Which means what? He answered the prayer. And you will honor me. So this is the arrangement that God delights to enter into with his people. There's trouble. His people call out to him in the time of trouble. He delivers them. So we get delivered. We get rescued. And he gets what? He gets glorified. He gets honored. It's not selfish. Or maybe it is. Both God's people and God are benefiting when we pray. Do you understand what I'm saying? We get rescued, he gets honored. And he loves to show himself to be the only God who actually hears the prayers of his people and can can do anything. It glorifies him. It is, uh, sometimes we think, um, oh no, I'm just, you know, God doesn't really, I don't want to bother God with my little... Oh, my little problems. Surely he's got better things to do. Now, is that humble or proud? That's proud. Yeah. All right. Any questions or comments about that? About what I'm, do you understand the point I'm trying to make?
Yes, David. It helped me to wrap my mind around this by considering that God is immutable in regard to his attributes, but one of those attributes is that he does respond yeah. to the request of his people, and right. he will always do that because he's immutable. Yeah, yeah that's, that's his character. To be to hear, to uh, it even says you know when when God reveals Himself to Moses in Exodus wherever that is um, where God Moses says God show me yourself and God says I am the Lord um, oh I can't quote it you know I show mercy to generation after generation of those who love me you know that whole passage uh, I am who I am that one of the things he says is, I am the one who relents. All right, I'm the, I'm the one who relents. It, when he's, when he's um, describing his character to Moses, one of the things he says is, I am the one who, when people pray to me and beg for mercy, I give it to them. That is his, that's his unchangeable character, to hear the prayers of his people, right? And related to that is he often acts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. 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 Part of part of yeah. Another way to answer this whole question of why what's the point of praying is God does in fact have a plan, but part of that plan is His people praying to Him. Now again, you can use that to get all wrapped around the axle and think, okay, wait a minute, does this do I pray because I. Is this actually going to change? Does God, if God knows what I'm going to pray, blah, 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 it's all part of that. No, 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 forget all that. Pray. Pray. We are never, we are never told to meddle with or try to understand the eternal decrees of God. We're given commandments, right? And circumstances. And here we are. And so we pray. And we don't try to wrap our minds around up trying to figure out, well, should I pray or not? Is this the will of God or not? The will of God is that you pray. That's the will of God. Well, let me get going. A few more questions here. What should we pray for? Oh, well, that's the question. What should we pray for? All right, well, we saw this already in Philippians in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. Be anxious for nothing. So this, this means everything. And especially in this verse, things that make you anxious. Big things, yeah. Little things, yeah. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything but with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. Here's another example. First John, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask God and God will, for him, give life to those who commit sin, not leading to death. So what should we pray for? One another in our sins. Right? If you see someone, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask God, and he'll give him life. And then he says, there is a sin leading to death. I do not say you should make requests for this. That's a whole other question we're going to talk about, not going to talk about today. Is anyone among you suffering? Again, James. Then he must pray. So pray for everything. Well, what do you mean? Well, pray when people are sinning. 
pray when, when you're sick. These are just examples. It just means everything. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We could do this all day, right? Of showing you examples of things that we're supposed to pray for. The bottom line is pray for anything. If it's righteous and good, pray for it. All right, how should we pray? In faith and repentance, first and foremost. This is James again. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach. Again, that's that character of God. He is the kind of God that when you ask him, he doesn't say, Psh, seriously? You again? All right, that's what this means. Let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. How does it glorify God if you ask him without believing that he'll actually hear you? Or without believing that, you, or that he has the power to act? You know, you walk, come up to me and ask me to, to eliminate the national debt. You know I can't do anything about it, and you know it's a joke. But, but it's not a joke with God, right? You go to him and you ask, you know what his character is, you know what his power is, and you honor him by asking. Matthew 21, Jesus says, all things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Mark, again, our Lord Jesus, therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they'll be granted to you. First John, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. That's why I say faith and repentance. All right? It's not just faith. Faith, true faith, always has repentance, and repentance is the desire to obey. And that's what John says. Peter says, you husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an, in an understanding way as with someone weaker, since she's a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. So husbands, if you're living in a, in a nasty way with your wife, then you, God won't answer your prayers. That's what this means, right? Because you're not praying in faith and repentance. James, again, you lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You're envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You don't have because you don't ask. And you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Prayer is not just a, a rote thing that you spit out of your mouth and work your beads and do your little thing. God sees your heart and he sees your life. He sees my life. And he sees my motives. So prayer we must pray with faith and repentance, with humility. Does that make sense?
And not just to, uh, you know, God's not your errand boy to satisfy your wandering desires. So we pray with faith and repentance. We pray according to God's revealed will. You never pray about something for something that you know is wrong to ask for, <laughs> right? But we should pray for the things that God has said are right to ask for. An example of this in the Old Testament, this is um, David, or maybe it's Solomon, can't remember. For you, O oh my God, have revealed to your servant that you will build for him a house. Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray before you. What, is, what kinds of things has God revealed plainly to us that we should pray for? We should pray for, like he said, our sin. Is it God's will for us to, to stop sinning to grow in righteousness? So pray for that. Is it his will for people all around to hear God's word and, and to come to him? Well, pray for that. Is it his will for you to be cared for? Pray for it right? Whatever he has revealed is right to ask. Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. This is not some kind of uh, um, lucky rabbit's foot kind of thing where, okay, if I just, if I do these little things, if I say these words after I pray, then God has to say, give me whatever I asked for, you know, the Lamborghini, the you know, the easy life, no. Your, his words are abiding in you. That's his will. You know what to ask for because you have his word abiding in you. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So again, is that the magic, the magic word, the magic genie in the bottle? No. To ask in his name is to ask according to his will. Not his secret will. We don't know his secret will. We ask according to his revealed will. He says the same thing again in John 15. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give you. John 16, in that day you will not question me about anything, Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, so that your joy may be made full. These are the verses that scare us. They scare us. I'll, I'll talk about that more in just a second. We've got to be done here in just a minute. Another quote. Let's be very careful about using God's secret counsels as an excuse not to petition God. They are called God's secret counsels for a reason. We can't know them. Let's pray according to what we do know and not according to what we do not know. And we do know that God is a loving, kind Father who wishes to, to delight his children. So here's what we often do, okay? Uh, Charlie has cancer. And so we pray, oh Lord, please, if it be your will, So we, we slide in the if it be your will clause instead of just asking, Lord, heal Charlie's cancer, right? Now we know, we don't know what his secret will is. 
But we, we very seldom just in a flat-footed, straightforward way, just simply ask, would you please heal the cancer? We try to make our, we cover ourselves in a sense by saying, if it's your will. Well, doesn't that kind of go without saying? But I think it's actually a cover for our unbelief on, uh, more often than not. Okay, almost done. How should we pray with boldness and persistence? Hebrews 4.16, therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help. Confidence, boldness. Luke 18, he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart, saying in a certain city there's a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There, there was a widow in that city and she kept coming to him and saying, I'm not gonna read the whole parable. The point is, be persistent, keep asking. You've asked for uh, a week, ask for a year. You've asked for a year, ask for 10 years. Keep asking. It's very, very rare. There's, the, there's one occasion that I can think of in all of the Bible where God says, stop asking. All right, that's the Apostle Paul, where he's asked three times to remove the thorn in the flesh, and God says, stop. But other times, he says, here, right? Oh, that's not the verse. He says, don't lose heart. Persevere. Matthew 7. I wish you had time, but one time you taught this about Moses' sister, right? And you just pray, Lord, heal her, right? I don't remember talking about that. It's really short. Yeah. Jesus, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. These words don't come across in English. This is not ask once or Seek once or knock once. These are words, that the point is keep asking, keep seeking, keep, keep knocking, persevere. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and he who knocks it'll be opened. Or what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he won't give him a snake, will he? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who's in heaven give, give what is good to those who ask him? Just ask. You don't have because you don't ask. Now, what should we expect when we pray? Again, I say to you, if two or three, if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, This is the opposite of what we think. We, we, we pray kind of mediocre little prayers and expect God to do less even than that. And this says he is the kind of God who actually is able to do more than we ask or think. James. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish a little bit sometimes. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, just a normal guy, a man. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it didn't rain on earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again and the sky poured rain and the earth produces fruit. That's in the passage where it says, if you're sick, pray. All right, lastly, why don't we pray? 
I, that's wrong. Why don't we pray with faith and boldness according to God's revealed will? Well, we're sinful and lazy. Duh. But here's more. Our naturalism, right? At the bottom of our hearts, we don't actually believe there's a God in heaven who actually works, who actually does change things, which is just a subset of our unbelief. Our doctrine, this, well, if everything is predetermined and predestined, then why should I even bother praying? That, that, that perversion of that doctrine kills our prayer. It's true, but it's the opposite, right? Because God is in control, we pray. Here's one. We fear the prosperity gospel. All those verses that I read to you about, just whatever you, just ask. Just whatever you ask in my name, I'll give it to you. All that kind of stuff, all right? Name it and claim it. Well, that's not what Jesus means. And so because we don't want to be associated with that, we run to the other side and just say, no, actually, we're, we're you know, I, I, I don't know what it means, but I know that it doesn't actually mean ask whatever you want and he'll give it to you. Well, I know that it doesn't mean what he actually said. That's the one thing I know it doesn't mean because I'm not a charismatic well, that's stupid. You know what I'm saying? That's stupid. Uh, don't let other error drive you into another error and, and, and kill your faith. We fear having our unbelief exposed. We don't, we're not willing, I think, I'm speaking for myself with all of these, okay? I'm not willing to ask for big prayers Big, ask big prayers, ask big things of God because I, want my, I don't want my own unbelief to be exposed. Does that make sense? I don't want to go out on a limb and be shown that I actually didn't believe it. We got to be done. Uh, if this brings up other questions, ask them. But we just have to be done for now, so, okay? Pray, pray, please. We're God's people, we're the sheep of his pasture and he wants us to pray. Be humble. All right, let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would make us, um, fill us with a desire with faith, with repentance. Father, we confess our unbelief and our hardness of heart and our cynicism. And I ask, Lord, that you take those things away. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.